Well, good morning. Am I on? There we go. There we go. How are we doing this morning? Good. Good. Who who overslept? Let's let's see a real quick show of hands. Don't do that. I'm kidding. Um, we don't want to see your hands. Um, man. So I over I did uh, run behind this morning. Uh, I was looking at the microwave, which was set for eight o'clock, and I was like. Hey, I have so much time, and then I look at my phone, and it's 9-11, and I'm like, prayer starts in four minutes. So, uh, hey, I'm here. We're all here. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first Sunday with us, again, welcome to Highland Gospel Community. We're so glad to have you here. My name is Travis Hall. I'm one of the deacons here at HCC, and uh, this morning we're going to be in Mark 15. So our journey with Jesus through the book of Mark, is nearly complete. We, we started about 15 months ago, and we will end uh, at the end of April our journey through Mark. And, and so Jesus burst on the scene in Mark 1, announcing that the kingdom of God was at hand. He was calling people to repent and believe the gospel. And so if you hear this morning, you're like, well, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ. If our story this morning and Mark ended before the cross, ended before the resurrection, there would be no good news for us to report this morning. There would be nothing for us to believe in. There would be nothing for us to have hope in. There would be no power in our repentance. Without the cross, without the crucifixion, without this grisly cross, there is no good news for us this morning because Because the good news of Jesus Christ, it centers on the cross. It centers on this device of torture. And so, so again, like I said, we started our journey about 15 months ago. And one of the major ways that we have gotten to know Jesus is by his death and what that means. And you might think, well, that's a bit odd. That's how we're getting to know this man is by his death. But, but think about the things that we don't know about Jesus through Mark's account. Mark has told us, has told us nothing of, of what Jesus looked like, the circumstances around his birth. Yes, we do see that in the other gospel accounts, but Mark doesn't tell us about it. Mark doesn't tell us how old Jesus was when he walked, when he learned his ABCs and 1, 2, 3s, uh, what kind of brother he was or carpenter, his favorite food, his favorite hobbies. We know none of these things from the pen of Mark, but we know in great detail why he died, how he died, and that he knew he was going to die. And you might think, well, this is a strange way to get to know someone. Hey, maybe this Mark guy, maybe he is just a bit deranged, maybe he's a bit disturbed, or or Jesus' death is just that important. It is that important for us to know. I mean, have you ever thought why why his death was so important for Mark to communicate. Or in other words, why does it seem like for Mark that if you, if, if you don't know that Jesus died, you really don't know Jesus? Because if you don't understand why Jesus died, you really don't know who Jesus is. Who else in history is like that? No one. No one is like that because Mark wants us to understand that you don't understand Jesus if you don't know why he died. 
Earlier in this book, Mark records Jesus' very own words on why he had to die. Check it out. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What we're going to see in our episode of Mark this morning is, is a continuance of Jesus giving his life away as a ransom for many. In other words, he, he died for others, and we all really, really need to know that and continually be reminded of that. Another way of looking at this is this, is Jesus died as a replacement for others. He, he died as a stand-in, as a proxy. Simply put, Jesus died as a substitute. And you need to know this. We need to know this. We need to know this about Jesus, and we need to know this about ourselves. If you remember one thing this morning, if you, if, if you just leave with one thing, Jesus died to rescue. His death is a rescue mission. It is the most unexpected rescue mission ever. So we're going to join Jesus in Jerusalem again. So as we know, if you've been here um, over the last couple weeks, he's been put through an illegal night trial uh, at the malicious hands of the Jewish leaders. They branded him a, a blasphemer who's worthy of death. Uh, Peter has denied him three times. But here's the problem for the Jewish leaders. Jerusalem is in Roman territory. Only a Roman authorities were allowed to execute a criminal. So let us stand this morning for the reading of God's word. Again, we are in Mark 15. We're going to be in the first 15 verses. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consolation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do As he usually did for them. And he answered them saying. Do you want to me. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews. For he perceived that it was out of envy. That the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd. To have him release for them. Barabbas instead. And a pilot again said to them. Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews. And they cried out again. Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. 
And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Lord, this morning we, we, we stand here amazed that, that, that just how much you love your people. That, that you send your son Jesus to step in as a replacement for us. To die for our sin. To die for our shame, our shortcomings. But you love your people so much that you give your only son. Lord, I pray this morning that any word that comes out of my mouth would be from you. And Lord, I pray this morning that that hearts would be encouraged where they need to be encouraged, but that they would also be convicted where they need to be convicted. It is in your name we pray. Amen. You can sit back down if you'd like. So dawn breaks. The Jewish leaders, they usher Jesus to a man that Mark calls Pilate. His full name is Pontius Pilate. Uh, the, the best way to, to think of, of Pilate is, is like a, he's a Roman governor. So he's like the Mike, oh, I can't even think of our governor's name. It doesn't matter. It's, he's the governor of Rome. I almost said Mike Huckabee. That's not right. Other guy, doesn't matter. No point. Anyways, he's the governor of Rome. He, so he oversees Jerusalem, Jerusalem and some of the surrounding territories. His main job is to, is to keep peace in his little Roman corner of the world. And, and, and you need to understand that the Jewish leaders, they hated Pilate. They did not like Pilate. They didn't, they didn't like what he stood for, yet they're forced to take him they're forced to take Jesus to him. Because Pilate had to approve of their execution plan. To put it more bluntly, Pilate had to approve of their plan to murder Jesus. So the Jewish, so the Jewish leaders, they, they, they put the charge against Jesus in the most scandalous way possible to the Roman mind. Check out verse 2. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? So, so as we know earlier, Jesus has proclaimed that he is the Messiah. But being Messiah is no crime to Rome. But being a king, a king that would challenge the authority of Caesar, now we're talking about something that is a big deal to Rome, that is a big no-no. See, the only crime that Rome cared about was treason against the state. Do you see what these Jewish leaders are doing? See, they're trying to paint Jesus, Jesus with these rebellious colors. They're trying to make him sound like some disruptive agent that, that only lives to sabotage and, sabotage and undermine Rome. See, what they're doing in this moment is they're making Jesus out as an enemy of the state. But let's not get it twisted. Pilate's not a fool. Pilate knows what they're up to. He knew, he knew that the Jewish leaders did not care about peace in the Roman state. He knew that they were simply trying to frame Jesus. And, and look at Jesus' response here at the end of verse 2. And he answered him, you have said so. So, so, so what, what kind of answer is that really? Because a couple of weeks ago, when the Jewish leaders again asked him, 
if he was the Messiah, he says this in Mark 14, verse 62. And I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with clouds of heaven. So here Pilate asks him, hey, are you the king of the Jews? And he essentially says, hey, man, what, that's just what you said. Whatever you say, bro. Like, he, he doesn't really give an answer. So was Jesus a king? Yes. He was a king, but he was not really the kind of king that Pilate could really understand. See, Jesus, as we know, is no threat to Rome. He had no designs to, to, to overthrow Caesar. He was absolutely a king, but his kingdom would not be limited to the Roman Empire. See, again, he is king of kings, and his kingdom would outlast Rome. He had a throne superior to all other thrones, and one day that is going to become extremely clear to them. So is Jesus king of the Jews? Yes, but he is also king of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 3, and the chief priests accused him of many things. So, so, so with that, the, the Jewish leaders, they just unload all their accusations on Jesus. They, they, they unload all their verbal, verbal ammunition, garbage in front of Pilate to make Jesus sound like an outlaw. And then you look at verse 4. Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. See, Pilate... Pilate is not amazed at what Jesus says to silence the Jewish leaders, but that he was silent in the face of their taunts, their accusations. But see, 800 years ago, Isaiah said, Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 7, that this is how it would all go down. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, silent Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that, bef like a sheep that before it shears is so he opened not his mouth. So at this point, Pilate is faced with a bit of a, a, bit of a, of a dilemma. He, he knew that the Jewish leaders had no case against Jesus. He also knew that they were trying to use him to get rid of Jesus. Pilate knew he was being used in this moment. Pilate also knew that if he outright released Jesus, he would have some serious problems. And the last thing Pilate wanted, again, he just wants to keep peace in his little Roman corner of the world. So at the Passover each year, Pilate would, would free one Jewish prisoner. So a crowd of people, they come to Pilate, and they've asked, and they ask for their annual favor. Check it out in verse 9. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? So, so surely the crowd is going to say, yes, please, release Jesus. But again, the Jewish leaders, they're in the crowd, and they encouraged this mob to demand, to demand a man called Barabbas, Mark tells us about this in verse 7. Among the rebels in prison, 
who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. So who is Barabbas? So Barabbas is a, is a rebel to Roman authority. He is a murderer. And, and to put it in, in 2019, 2020 terms, Barabbas is a terrorist. He is a vile human being. And again, remember, the only, riot, the only crimes that Rome takes seriously are crimes against Rome. See, in the, eyes of, in the eyes of Rome, Barabbas was guilty and worthy of capital punishment, worthy of death, because Barabbas was a rebel against Roman rule. See, he was a Jew, and he fought and murdered to try to overthrow Roman rule, Roman oppression. So, so it comes down to a choice between Jesus and Barabbas. So, so what had Jesus done? He, he was being accused of being a rebel without actually doing anything against Rome. Barabbas was a revolutionary who wanted to overthrow Roman oppression. And if he had to murder, so be it. So who should be chosen between the two? The revolutionary or the rabbi the murderer or the miracle worker, the rebel or the redeemer. It's a pretty easy choice. But when Pilate asks the crowd, they don't want Jesus released. And this is where the Jewish leaders saw their chance. Check it out, verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have, to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And then we see the answer here in verse 13. And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So it's the revolutionary instead of the rabbi. It is the murderer instead of the miracle worker. It is the rebel instead of the redeemer. You know, Barabbas is a very interesting character in our story today. And, and what's really interesting is in my studies, Barabbas translated into English means son of the father. In other words, Barabbas, son of the father, instead of Jesus, the son of the father. But in this moment, Jesus becomes a substitute, a stand-in for Barabbas. The son of the father most high would die instead of Barabbas, the son of the father. See, see Pilate appealed, tries to appeal to this, to this mob of people to get Jesus off, but his plan backfires. We see that in verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So Pilate's power play against the Jewish leaders, it backfires. 
he, he played to the crowd and, 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 and they, they turned into a mob. And, and we don't know through Mark's account what the Jewish leaders said to the crowd, but we do know how they responded to Pilate. We do know how the crowd responded to Pilate. Crucify him. And we don't know for sure the makeup of this crowd, but we do know that just a few days before as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the crowd was shouting something very, very different. Mark 11, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord becomes. Crucify him. Hosanna in the highest becomes. Crucify him. Again, we don't know what the Jewish leaders did to stir the crowd up before the, the, that day before Pilate. But we do know that Barabbas was arrested for insurrection against Rome. He was arrested for murder. And, and the Jewish leaders maybe said to the crowd, hey, hey, at least Barabbas fights against our Roman enemy. Because the crowd, they expected a king that would deal with Rome. And, and, and they probably thought, hey, what is Jesus doing exactly? What kind of king is he really? At least, at least Barabbas fights our common enemy. In this moment, the crowd chooses Barabbas over Jesus, so we hear, crucify him. Crucify him. And that is what Pilate would do. In that moment, Jesus' fate is sealed. He'll be, he's off to be flogged. He's off to be flogged, which is such a brutal, brutal thing where they take a whip that has, it has metal objects and stuff attached to the end of it. Most men would die from it. He will have, he will have, he'll have pieces of flesh hanging from his back. This is brutal stuff. He is off to be flogged and crucified. But here's the thing. Jesus was do, doing more than anyone could see that day. He was offering himself up as a substitute. Everyone in our journey that we've met with Mark this morning and, and, and past mornings desperately needed a substitute, just as we do. Of course, they're all ignorant, just as we are, to their need. But Jesus was not. See, the Jewish leaders needed a substitute, but they wanted Jesus to validate all their religious activity. Someone to do and be what they wanted him to be. See, they couldn't imagine a Messiah who did not agree with all their expectations. See, the, Jesus could not to them be a Messiah because he didn't view the law the nation, and the Roman occupation the way that they did. See, they expected Jesus to uphold their tradition and expectations. Instead, 
they got Jesus to substitute. See, Jesus would not submit to their will and desires because he was too busy serving at the pleasure of his father. And they could not understand or see that they needed a substitute. So they, because they thought that they needed a Messiah to do for them what they wanted. And they had, they had constructed a Messiah in their own extremely poor image. And yet, Jesus becomes a substitute for them. He became a substitute for people who put their confidence in their own religious activities. So the Jewish leaders, they needed a substitute. Pontius Pilate needed a substitute. See, see, Pilate needed a substitute because he wanted Jesus to defend himself to make his life easier. Pilate's main job was to keep peace and not let these, these zealous Jews rock the boat. And his life would have been far less complicated if, if Jesus just defended his own innocence. So, so, so that way that Pilate wouldn't be put in this, this awkward corner and challenging position of defending Jesus. See, this was a losing proposition for Pilate. See, what Pilate did not understand is that, that Jesus would be defended, but only after his substitution. See, he would not defend himself because he knew his father would Defend him. How? Because after dying as a substitute, the father would give the ultimate defense of Jesus. And after three days, he calls him back from the dead. So in that moment, Jesus is content to let his defense wait. See, Pilate wanted Jesus to make his life so much easier. But again... Jesus was busy becoming a substitute for people like Pilate who want Jesus to make their life easier. So again, we see the Jewish leaders, they needed a substitute. Pilate needed a substitute. The crowd needed a substitute that day. See, they, they wanted Jesus to be a revolutionary and overthrow Roman oppression. They wanted someone to fight and throw off the yoke of yeoman oppression. They wanted Jesus to be this David-like figure and restore their nation to past glory. Instead, Jesus was a substitute. See, they didn't understand that, that what they didn't understand is that Jesus was dying a revolutionary death. See, it, it appeared that he was about to be conquered, but, him, but by dying, he would stand in for sinners. He would stand in for humanity as a substitute. And by that, he would destroy a yoke far more deadly than Roman oppression. He would destroy the yoke of sin and death. Because sin and death was far more disastrous to humanity. It was far more disastrous, and Jesus knew that. 
you can see that Jesus' method of conquering was to be conquered. So we see that, that the, the Jewish leaders, they needed a substitute. We see Pilate needed a substitute. And we see the crowd needed a substitute. The only person in this episode this morning who, who gets what he wants and actually plays his part as he should in this story is Barabbas. Barabbas, a murderer, a rebel, a terrorist. He wanted Jesus to die in his place as a substitute. And that is exactly what Jesus does. Like, so the news that Jesus the Nazarene would die as a substitute for him must have been the best news he had ever heard. He's like, hey, I'm all for it. Like, if this dude wants to die in my place, that's great. The Son of God, the Father, substituted for the Son of the Father. Jesus stands in for Barabbas. The innocent condemned the guilty set free. Jesus, the substitute, the Son of God, the Father, died as a substitute so that sons and daughters of any father might go free, so that you and I might go free. Again, the innocent condemned, the guilty set free. See, Jesus is not who the religious leaders and expected him to be, who Pilate wanted him to be, or the crowd wanted him to be. He was the substitute. He was for Barabbas in that moment, the substitute. But aren't we all Barabbas? In that moment, Barabbas needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. And, and Jesus is exactly who you, who I need him to be. But I don't want you to miss this. Here's what I didn't say. I didn't say Jesus is who you want him to be. Because once a want and a need are vastly different. A want is a desire. A need is something that you need to live. We need Jesus to be who he is so that we can live. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you aren't, you need to understand exactly what is happening here. Jesus is exactly the substitute that we need. So some of us this morning, we were like the Jewish leaders. Confident in our religious activity. Expecting blessing and favor from the Lord because we obey, we do all the right things. We, we hit those Christian check marks, man. We, we're checking off the boxes. We, we've turned a corner. We've turned over this new leaf. We've, we've learned this new theology. Like, we, we've just become a better person. But Jesus' substitution tells a different story. Jesus had to die as a substitute for all our religious activity. And you might not be used to thinking this way, especially, especially if you grew up in a religious or spiritual home. You probably get the fact, you probably know better than most, that Jesus needed to die for your sin. You have it rehearsed. 
But what you might not understand is Jesus had to die as a substitute for all your religious good deeds. Because check it out. Your religious good deeds, they're not enough. They're not good enough. The word tells us that all your good works are filthy rags. And I would encourage you to take time to study exactly what filthy rags are. And that is what your good works are. Man, Jesus had to die in that moment for your obedience. He had to die for your prayers. He had to die for your confessions. Because they were all insufficient. Even at our very best, our most spiritual, our most religious, we need a substitute. And Jesus is that substitute. Other, you know, others of us, we're not religious, we're not spiritual people. Okay, we are spiritual people, don't, don't miss that. But we're not like the religious leaders. Others of us are like Pilate. And we just wanted Jesus to make life easier. Jesus does not promise that when he enters your life and you begin to follow him that everything will, be, get, will get better. Because sometimes it doesn't. See, Jesus' substitution tells us that he is, much, he is about much more than just making our life easier. He is about killing death and destroying sin. It's not just little improvements. His substitution changes everything. Let me just be brutally honest this morning. Following Jesus is extremely hard. And we should expect nothing less. We follow a crucified Savior. Yes, he rose from the dead, but our Savior was still killed. He still died. We shouldn't be surprised and thrown, thrown off kilter when we face trials. He had told us that we will face many trials, but to take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. To live a life of constant death. He calls us to die to self. To die to our preferences, to die to our comforts, our conveniences, our leisures, and live to him. Jesus is a substitute, but he did not come to make our lives a little bit easier. So maybe you're not like the Jewish leaders. You're not like Pilate who was, who was looking to have his life made easier. Maybe you're like the crowd. So the crowd, they just wanted Jesus to fix their biggest problem. The crowd thought their greatest problem was Roman oppression. But Jesus knew better. He knew that their greatest problem was not Roman oppression, that their greatest problem was sin. See, sometimes life is so hard that, 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 that we come to Jesus and we say, hey, here is my biggest problem. Fix me. 
man, we can think our, our problems are our jobs, our, our, our money, our marriages, our kids, our singleness, our ailments, our discouragement. And yes, don't misunderstand me. Jesus can fix those things, but Jesus did not primarily die to fix any of those things. And don't get me wrong, following Jesus radically changes, radically changes those areas of your life. But he is first and foremost a substitute. See, not only do we, we, we need help fixing ourselves. We, we do. We are severely broken people. We are honestly more broken than we can ever really imagine. And that is why Jesus died as a ransom for you, died as a ransom for me. We all need a substitute. And only Jesus is that substitute. Worship team, you can come back up. So this morning, what kind of person are you? Are you a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a believer? He is your substitute. He is your substitute. But you also need to realize that we are somewhere in this story. We identify with, with someone in this story. And you could say, well, well, I'm not like the Jewish leaders. I'm not like Pilate. I'm not like the crowd. But I do know this. All of us are like Barabbas. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've, I've never murdered anyone. I've never led an insurrection. I'm not a terrorist, dude. And I get that. And most of you probably haven't murdered anyone physically. But have you with your words? Guilty. Man, my words are sharp. They are so sharp. They are deadly. What about with your eyes? Like, if looks could kill, what would be the body count? Like, I'm going to guess that most of the wives in here would be widowed. Like, dude, how many times I got to tell you to put the seat down? It's a challenge for us. We're, you know, we're special. But my point is, we kill with our words. We kill with our looks. We kill with our thoughts. If you think it in your mind. Are we any better than Barabbas? No. Not by a long shot. We are somewhere in this picture. But we're the ones set free. Who didn't deserve it. And Jesus is the one condemned who deserved freedom. Again. The innocent condemned. The guilty set free free. Jesus loves us so much that he saw our greatest need and he stepped in. And he said, hey, I'll pay that debt. I will die in your place. Now, the other group of people I want to talk to this morning. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian. And maybe you just have forgotten. Let me just say this. Here at HCC, we're not in the business of peddling religion. Man, we're just about Jesus. 
Like that's all we're going to talk about on a Sunday morning is Jesus. I'm not saying, hey, hey, try to obey and make your life a little bit better. What I'm saying is this. I'm saying that you need to see that this Jesus, the Jesus that we see here in the pages of Scripture, that Jesus died as a substitute for the sins that you commit and you don't have to pay the debt because he already did. The, 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 the death that is coming for you, you don't have to fear it. You do not have to fear because he died and rose again so that any who follow him, any who believe in him, might have life everlasting. But you have to decide. You have to be the one. I can't make this decision for you. You have to decide what to do with this man's death, with the death of Jesus. You have to make that decision. You can say, well, that's interesting. Or will you just say thank you? Thank you for dying for me as a substitute. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the debt. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you can have a substitute. His name is Jesus, and he's the real deal. And I would love to chat with you this morning about Jesus if you're in that place. I said at the beginning that if you don't know why Jesus died, then you really don't know Jesus. Jesus died as a substitute. Jesus died as your substitute. Is he your substitute this morning? Let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying. Lord, I do pray that if there are any in this room that, that who are not following you, that don't know you, I pray that, they that you would help them to follow you, Lord. I pray that they would be convicted of their sin and recognize that they cannot be obedient enough, good enough, but instead they would embrace you as a substitute, Lord. I pray that you would give them forgiveness. I would pray that you would help them to recognize that you're the only way. Your death is the only way to avoid their death. Lord, for those of us who have embraced you as our substitute, thank you. Thank you for not treating us as our sin deserves. Thank you for, for not defending yourself that day before Pilate Thank you for standing silent as accusations that weren't true were thrown your way so that we might have a substitute. So that one day we might be able to stand before the Father and not present all our good works, but present our Savior who died so that we may live. Lord, one day, one day we will stand before the Father and we will say that Jesus is is my substitute. I have nothing to offer. I have only Jesus. Lord Jesus, we are grateful. Grateful that that's enough. In your name we pray. Amen.